The Great Canadian Talk Show. There's only a couple of watts, but I brought the truth to everyone within three blocks of the west side of campus. No way! Yes way! And now, let's get right down to business with Marty Gold. Welcome to the Great Canadian Talk Show Podcast. This is Marty Gold. This is episode six of 2024, and it's a doozy. It's another one of our crime courts and public safety update. But it's going to be a little different than usual. I mean, there's a lot of stuff that's gone on lately that I, I, I definitely want to bring to public attention. There's been an arrest in the stabbing death, the murder of the 19-year-old. We presume it's murder. Uh, maybe somebody's going to plead self-defense. 46-year-old woman uh, arrested. That was up on Arrow, up way up in... Um, Geez, I don't even know what it's what it's technically called up there. Uh, you know, towards route off Route 90, way up there by Eggez, um, Brookside Boulevard, and like that. There's an arrest in that murder. There was a situation with three kids being mugged on their way to, I believe, it was Elmwood Junior High at like eight, nine in the morning. One kid had his shoes stolen. What kind of degenerate creeps are wandering around this city robbing junior high school kids at eight in the morning in the middle of winter? Just unbelievable what's going on but whereas usually i do a roundup of all sorts of you know situations that have uh, occurred around around the city and around the region this one's going to be focused a little more so on two situations that have come to my attention this week that i really want to get out there for you so right after this break um you're going to hear an interview that i've conducted that i just recorded so i'm doing this a little out of order i spoke with a woman who was evacuated from her home because of a fire started by her neighbors in a house in the North End. There's a lot of details that she brings forward about what it's been like to live in that house and what the actions, both good and bad, have been by the landlord. And how many times she's called the cops, it's a unbelievable story of an innocent person trying to mind their own business in the North End and ending up homeless because of the kind of people that have been moved into the house she was renting in. Separate units. And then after that story about uh, a long a long established, very respected and dare I say beloved Winnipeg business that narrowly averted a really big problem this past weekend because of some criminally-minded individual in Winnipeg's South End. So we're going to head off to a break really quickly here. You'll hear the interview, uh, and uh, and then I'll, I'll bring you more, this other story. A lot of stuff being brought to our attention now because the audience is growing. The audience knows that we speak out on behalf of the community. You can send us those kinds of tips or give us feedback about our episodes. MartyGoldLive at gmail.com. Back with this special interview right after these words. In the tradition of asking hard-hitting questions. Have you made the bets yet, madam? Not that question. It's the Great Canadian Talk Show podcast on Spotify, Apple, Player FM. And at ActionLine.ca. The home of public affairs commentary in Winnipeg. 
The Great Canadian Talk Show is brought to you by The Hive Hair Company. From classic to funky, the styles of your life are at The Hive in the heart of the Osborne Village at 175 Osborne. Call 452-4483 or online thehivehaircompany.com. The Crime Courts and Public Safety Update is sponsored by Jamrock Security. For your home, your family, your business, your employees, and for your community. Jamrock provides affordable protection solutions. Call 204-880-1564 or go online, jamrocksecurity.ca. Do security. Do it smart. Jamrock Security. There was a very important news item yesterday as I record this on uh, on Tuesday, I guess, the 16th, about a fire in the North End. And we hear a lot about fires in the North End, you know, all the time year round. It was an election campaign issue, of course. Uh, and uh, having grown up in the North End, I pay particular attention, worked in the North End uh, in the course of different things I've done in my career, pay attention to these things, especially to some of the streets where I've known people either growing up or in adult life. In this case, the fire in question was on college uh, and uh there was an interview that was conducted by CJOB that was drawn to my attention. I wanted to speak with the person that they talked to, who's one of the tenants of the house. And, uh, you know, in this case, there was uh, a, a death, a couple of injuries, but that's not the extent of the human cost of this incident. Uh, and uh, at least one at least one tenant, and I think there was more, ended up homeless because of this. And I have on the line right now, uh, Tamara, you're with me? Tamara Bard, who, uh, just to be clear, we have a lot of friends in common, just to explain to my audience, uh, and I, I'm sure we know each other from previous places that you've worked, uh, I'm quite positive, um, but, uh, but it's, uh, it, it's, it especially meant something to me to see somebody like yourself who's, you know, a well-known member of the, of the community uh, in, in terms of, uh, you know, being somebody reliable, being somebody trustworthy, being somebody who supports local bands and, and uh, has a background with the hotel business. And all of a sudden you ended up uh, homeless because of the uh, actions of others. I'm wondering if you can walk my audience through what happened. Uh, you've lived at 381 College, I think the address is, for four years. And uh, you lived in the basement suite. Is there like three levels there? Yes, it was a triplex. So every level was a unit. Uh, okay. And can you describe what happened that uh, that led to you having to evacuate your home? Um, well, that night, uh, at about quarter after seven, um, I called 911 on the people above me in unit one. Um, there was a definite domestic disturbance. Um, very physical. Um, the police showed up. Um, they were there for about an hour. They left. Uh, it was pretty quiet up there for a little bit. And then it started up again, and it would get loud, lots of banging and throwing things and screaming. Um, so I ended up calling again uh, after midnight. And, and this and, is two males and a female in that unit above you? Yes, it was from what I understand, um, a woman, her boyfriend, and her son. Okay, that's and, the first uh, I've heard that that uh, that specific detail. And then what happened from there? You called the cops. You called the cops. It's a, a domestic was going on. This is, uh, uh, I guess, Monday evening. Yes. Uh, you call the cops. Things calm down. 
Uh, nobody was hauled out to a paddy wagon or anything. Things heat back up. You phone the cops, and then what happens? Um, so they, they said they were coming again. Uh, I hung up the phone, and I was getting into bed when my neighbor knocked on my door. And I didn't know it was her. I actually honestly thought it was one of the guys from upstairs. Sure. Um, thinking that they were going to, you know, confront me about calling the police. Yeah. So I didn't open my door right away, and then I heard a female voice. So I opened the door, it was my neighbor, and she told me my house was on fire. I didn't get out, grab the dog, and come to her house. Oh, my God. So by the time I went back in the house, um, put my jacket and shoes on, mm -hmm. grab my dog, my purse... Um, there was so much smoke, I couldn't see. I was coughing. And ha had, you, had you smelled anything before the knock on the door? I did, actually, when I was on the phone with 911 about the disturbance upstairs. I actually smelled it, and I was looking around, but I couldn't see anything. Yeah. And I, there was no heat, or, but I could smell, like, wood burning. Something was smoldering or something. Yeah. Uh, and so you, you, you got out of there. And in the aftermath, the uh, uh, fire department showed up. They battled the, the flames for, as I understand it, about an hour, got it under control a little after 2 a.m. Yeah. And the, there's one, uh, one male was found dead at the scene. Yes. And uh, to your knowledge, was that one of the residents of that suite above you? Yes. And I, I think that two other people were taken to the hospital. And the two women that lived on the second floor um, evacuated. They were okay. But uh, one of the women that lived on the second floor was actually the daughter of the woman on the main floor. Okay, so I just want to add this up then. You've got a woman on the main floor and her boyfriend live in the, in the suite on the main floor. Yeah. Her son was there and present during the course of the domestic disturbance. Yes, he lived there. And the, the daughter and another woman live on the second, I guess, the top floor? Okay, and you're in the basement. Yeah. So it, 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 we're assuming that the two people that were hospitalized are the mother and her, and we don't, it, was it the son or the, the boyfriend? Do you have any idea which one passed away? I'm not sure. Okay, so we still don't have clarity on that. Um, now, you, uh, you had said... Uh, in your previous interview, and I just want to update this, that you had received no services from the city of Winnipeg at all in the aftermath of, the, of being displaced? No, they didn't uh, see anything at the scene. I wasn't informed of anything. Well, well we had, when did you go to the friend's house? Because I'm wondering if what happened was that they couldn't find you because you weren't there. Oh, no, I didn't go until after, quite a while after the fire was put out. Okay, so when you take off, I just want to be clear on this. So when you take off, you uh, because the house is burning, uh, and the fire department shows up, where are you during that time period? I went to my neighbor's house, and I put the dog in the house, uh -huh. and I went back outside. So they knew you were watching, there? Yeah, I was watching from the front step, uh -huh. and then I went around the back of the house, and I was standing in the backyard. At, at some point where you identified... Did you identify yourself, or did somebody from the fire department or, or whatever identify that you were a tenant who uh, who was uh, a victim of the fire? Yeah, there was like four firefighters that came out of my unit um, when I was standing in the backyard. And once they took all their gear off, 
I asked them, you know, are my cats okay? Did you see them? Can I grab them? And they said, no, nope, you're not allowed in there. Uh, we don't know if it's structurally sound. And that was it. And they said, I don't, I don't know what to do next. And they didn't really say anything. And then the city of Winnipeg put out, uh, I guess, in the course of their their uh, press exercises, they claimed that a, a so that a, a bus had been sent. Uh, to the scene so people could stay warm and that they provided uh, services, social services, I guess, the way to put it, to the tenants. And you're saying that in your case, that's not true. No, it's not. How I did they miss you? Anything. I have no idea. And has anybody called you yet? Yes. Um, actually, after I did the radio interview with CJOB, um, the city did contact me. Oh. And they put me in touch with uh, the Red Knight. Can you just repeat that again? Uh, they put me in touch with the Red Cross last night. Oh, okay. And I spoke to a woman there, and we went through everything. And because I wasn't um, helped on scene, um, they are giving me um, the monetary value of what they usually give people. Okay. So, which is three nights in a hotel with three meals a day plus uh, toiletries and clothes and stuff. Okay, but otherwise so, you're you're wiped out. Yes. Uh, so I, the, I, I want to just make uh, make the make my audience aware that if any of you have any, um, I, I guess you need clothes. You need everything. Do you not want to get stuff that fast till you figure out where you're going to live? Um, I don't want you to have to I, schlep boxes. I've had family um, send me money. Okay. And uh, my daughter, my oldest daughter, started a GoFundMe page. Oh, okay. So I'll try to dig up a link on that and put it in the episode description then. We'll do what we can to help you out. I just want to explain to the audience, I talked with Tamara yesterday, uh, having gotten a hold of her because we have a number of mutual friends. Uh, we know a lot of drummers in common, among other musicians. Yeah. <laughs> and. And uh, and and uh, just to be just to explain to the audience, you were involved in a in an obviously very bad accident about ten eleven years ago, and so you're on disability and have been for some time. Yes, I actually broke my back at work in 2012. Um, I had uh, hardware put in my back to repair it, and then in 2017, I actually hurt my back again at work and ended up with more hardware because I broke the. The existing screws that were fine. So I just want to make sure again that that everybody understands why I've taken an interest in this one. This is a person who who uh, you know I'm, I realize I'm familiar with, and and here's an example of a, a good, honest, would be hardworking if she was able to handle you know regular employment. Uh, minds her own business. The biggest decision of her day should be: Do I catch the bus? If she takes if you take the bus, Tamara, should I catch the bus on on? Salter, should I catch the bus on Maine? And instead, you end up because of the actions of others. Now, was the fire track to that first floor suite? Do you know? Yeah, it was, and um, I can almost guarantee it was started in the bedroom above mine. I heard um, before I smelt the smoke. I heard a really big smash. And a bunch of, um, it was like people fighting. So something was going on. You think that the, and it, the so basically this was an arson. Yeah. In the course of a, what, what we're assuming was a domestic dispute, but 
it's hard to figure out what else it was. Now, this, now I want to explain, have you explained, uh, again, in the realm of, like, this what's going on in Winnipeg, folks, where, you know, it's, it's, hard, it's hard to find some place to live. And here's another house off the market. Uh, and, and when somebody just tries to mind their own business and, and not cause any trouble, and these are the kinds of things that happen when, when innocent people get victimized because of some of these situations that are being dumped into, into housing units. And in this case, you've had a lot of problems with that suite before this art, before this fire and this death. Yeah, with, for the past seven months. With the neighbors. Could you go back to last May and tell my audience what happened then? Um, there was um, a woman who moved in with her two teenage boys and um, their dog. Um, I made a lot of complaints about the dog. Um, I actually phoned animal services several times because they were mistreating the dog. And um, there was a lot of um, a lot of noise complaints, uh, stuff like that. There was a morning in June where they woke me up at 5.30 in the morning. Um, there was a lot of fighting and screaming and so I got up and my door being in the back of the house, I went around the front um, and the mom was outside with her teenage boys and one of the boys had the dog on the leash and the dog was freaking out and then a teenage girl that was about 14, 15 years old came running out of the house naked and hid behind me. So at that point, um, I needed, I knew I needed to call the police and when I turned to walk away, um, they let the dog go and the dog bit me in the stomach and then bit me in the leg. It's not like you've got a lot of maneuverability either with that hardware in your back. No. So it was, uh, yeah, he bit me twice before they got a hold of him. And then, um, I sent the girl in the house to get her clothes. She kept yelling for her clothes. And then she came out the back bedroom window beside my door. Um, I had called the police. They showed up. Um, the dog actually attacked one of the officers. Bit one of the cops. So, yeah. So one of the, the dog was taken animal services and put down. And uh, they were all out of there. They were immediately evicted. How long had they been in that uh, that unit? Uh, they had been there for probably about six months. Okay, so for about six months, noise complaints, uh, basically disorder. And then what resembled, I'm just going to use this language, what resembled uh, some sort of um, unwilling detainment or kidnapping. Basically, at 530 in the morning, you're confronted by that kind of a scene. Yeah. Were charges laid in that case? Uh, I'm not sure if charges were laid because of the teenage girl. I know she was missing for about a week. Her parents had reported her missing. Oh. Um, other than that, I don't know about her. Uh-huh. But um, after that, um, the house was locked up by management. That, um, they were basically told whatever, take whatever you can and get out. That, the, the, not the house, the unit. Yeah. 
Yeah, okay, I get that. So they, so the, had you complained that you, it seems that you had complained to the, call the police about this pro- problem unit, uh, problem tenants. Had you told the management as well? Yes, the, I did. And the property management is Ember, uh, as in Burning Ember Realty? Okay, I want to go back to that in a second. I'll tell you what, Tamara, if you've got a few more minutes, there's more I want to want to talk with you about, uh, and uh, I just want to uh, want to make sure we we can pace this out properly. So, if you've got a couple of minutes, yep. Then, I, folks, we're just going to go to a, a break. You'll hear one of our one of our new uh, one or two of our new promo spots. You're going to enjoy the sound of it, uh, and uh, lots more disturbing details to come in this interview. With Tamara Bard here on the Great Canadian Talk Show podcast. We'll be right back after this. Putting the people first. Reality bites back with the Great Canadian Talk Show with Marty Gold. I will keep an eye on all of these characters, all these media darlings. I will call them out when they gaslight you, and I especially will stick up for you when you have very real fears and concerns about public safety, about crime in downtown, about crime in the neighborhoods, and all the other things, because we deal in reality here. For what really goes on in the streets, the courts, the legislature, and city hall, it's the Great Canadian Talk Show podcast on actionline.ca, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts, your voice. We're going to pick up with uh, more of our uh, discussion with Tamara Bard, uh, who found herself homeless because of a uh, domestic violence incident from uh, problematic neighbors that she had complained about for some time. Uh, And somebody set a fire, and the next thing you know, she's got nowhere to live and four dead cats and a lot of grief. Uh, I'm assuming the women upstairs, granted, you know, one of them actually, it's a lot of grief because it's her family that was involved in this incident, as well as the other woman who, who was displaced. So you've discussed how uh, about a, I'm going backwards. So about a year ago, the, that uh, one family moved in with the dog. You described the incident. At some point, the family involved in the arson moved in, but there's a gap there. There was somebody in between the naked girl crawling out the window, needing you to help save her, and you needing to be saved from this fire set by, by the people in Unit 1. There was another tenancy in the middle there. Can you tell my audience those details? Um, Those tenants moved in. Um, There was uh, a woman and her cousin that had moved in there. And at first, they were really nice, personable people. Um, I thought, you know, maybe I'd have some great neighbors now. Um, But the problems, it didn't take long for the problems to start. And again, it was a lot of garbage they had uh, a dog that would they wouldn't pick up the dog poop all over the yard um but that wasn't all that happened with the yard no there was people that would pass out um with needles in their arms or they'd be passed out drunk i just want you to repeat that to make sure that people understand that you've lived there for four years the the realty company running the house, they get rid of the the that first. They finally get rid of that first problem. Their hand kind of being forced, really by the by the way the police had to intervene, and then they move in a bunch of people, who then let what would seem to be their friends, create panic in Needle Park in a backyard on College Avenue in Winnipeg. Yeah, it's uh, and actually the. 
the first tenants I had a problem with, we actually did at one point uh, go to court and she was charged um, for uttering threats because uh, she tried to break into the house to get more of her stuff. And Ember Realty told me if they, they had been doing it frequently, trying to get in and get their stuff. Yeah. So they, Ember just told me to call the police every time they showed up. Okay, and, and then Ember Realty moves in another, uh, some other people with a dog, but they not only came with a dog they didn't pick up after, they came with friends that would pass out. In the, did they set up a tent in the backyard? Uh, in the front yard. Uh, in the front yard. In the front yard. This is on college, folks, between, uh, is it between Aikens and Salter? Yeah. Yeah, so I know the neighborhood. And they set up a tent in the front yard. Yep. Did, did, the, did you complain to the management? Oh, of course I did. And what did they do about it? Nothing. Did you complain about, was there needles strewn on the, on the front yard? There was needles, and actually one of my neighbors, um, he actually built a fence to par uh, partition his yard because they were throwing needles over the fence, and he didn't want his dog getting poked. And you complain? Did you complain to the city of Winnipeg about this? I actually I didn't. Um, I just I complained to Ember. Um, to the and landlord, and you don't know if the neighbor complained to the city of Winnipeg. So here's some people, freeloaders, uh, occupying the occupying the front yard and tossing their needles into the neighbor's yard. Yeah. And you're just trying. To live a peaceful life in a suite on College Avenue. Yeah, and one of one of my neighbors actually um, is a family that lives in both suites, and there's children there, and the youngest one is autistic. Oh my God! So Grandma would be out there every day, making sure there was nothing he could get into. And it took how long to get rid of these uh, uh, of uh, these. Uh, Drug users. Uh, it took a couple months um, and a lot of me complaining. And I guess because the tenants that were in there before, because there was charges and a conviction and there was a restraining order, she couldn't come on the property, even to check her mail. Um, she's not allowed within 200 feet of me. Okay. Um, so I guess they were like, okay. But from what I understood, um, I found out after, is Ember didn't really evict them. They took them from the house on college and put them in a house in the West End. You, you're, are you, you're talking about the, 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 the people with the dog that bit the cops? No, they were evicted, and I don't know where they so were. So you're talking about the people whose friends came, camped in the front yard, and tossed their needles into the neighbor's yard. And the yep. and you're, you're asserting that the realty company... Remove them, remove them from the house, but just put them in another property in the West End. Yep. Do you have any idea what went on at that other location at all? No idea, but I know it's Ember owned or Ember managed. That's that's pretty. That's a pretty. Having helped manage a couple of hotels and a few properties in my time, that's a really interesting approach to things. Have you heard from Ember Realty with regards to this arson and the fact that you've been displaced? Nope. You went down to their office on Selkirk Avenue uh, on Tuesday after the fire? I did. And what happened there? Um, I spoke to the man who worked the front desk, 
and he tried to get a hold of somebody from management. He told me he couldn't get a hold of anybody and took my name and number and said he'd get somebody to call me. And they haven't contacted you yet? Not at all. Okay, I just so... Actually, the funny thing is they sent me, um, for us to, when we requested repairs or anything, Yeah. there was an online portal that they asked us to use. So um, there had been a leak in my bathroom um, a couple weeks ago, and... <laughs> Upstairs, I'd left the shower running for two and a half hours, and it literally just leaked. There was no proper shower curtain, so it just leaked into my bathroom and flooded it. Well, well, I'm sorry, but you, why did you leave the shower on? Oh, I didn't. They did upstairs. You they mean above you? Yeah. And when was that? Yeah. <laughs> so before, so they flood. Did it basically flood? They flooded your bathroom and they weren't thrown out on their ass? Yeah. They actually, I had to walk. It was flooding for about two hours. And I couldn't get a hold of Amber. I phoned them like 14 times and I emailed them and I never got a response. So I walked down there. Which is from college to Selkirk Avenue. Yeah. I walked down there and I told the guy at the front desk that my bathroom was flooding. So he said, okay, he phoned the maintenance man, and he said the maintenance man will meet you there, and he has permission to enter Unit 1, whether anybody answers the door or not. Yeah. Um, because it's an emergency. I said, okay, so I walked home, and the maintenance man was there, and he came downstairs and he looked at my suite, and then he went back upstairs and got in there, and he shut the shower off, and he took pictures of the shower curtain, which was about an inch and a half over the lip of the tub. So there was a big gap. And he took pictures of that, and the floor was all wet and stuff. He said there's gonna, you know, be quite a bit of damage we, we have to repair. And he actually showed me the pictures when he came back downstairs. And then he took pictures of the, the stuff in my bathroom, like the paint and like everything, yeah. the damage. He took pictures of all of it, and he says, okay, I'll come back. And I'll have to get that fixed. So, so it, what's apparent, uh, and again, just to make sure my audience knows, I left a message for the principal of Ember Realty yesterday. I have not heard back. What I do, I'll be asking to interview her and find out about their policies and practices. But it sounds like their practice is to take in problem tenants who when they create big problems for the orderly law-abiding tenants, they don't do anything except collect the rent. From what I understand, and this is what I heard from a, another tenant, was uh, they like people that are on assistance because assistance pays them directly. Let's go back. Let's go back one second to the... Well, sure, I can understand that, but let's go back one second to the uh, 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 to, to 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 bad neighbors number two, uh, panic in Needle Park. How did those people land in that suite? Do you know? They were set up with Ember and landed in that suite because of St. Boniface Street connections. 
So street connections, my as I recall what they do, and I've, I've done stories about them a few years ago, but uh, they find placement, like housing, I think it's the what would be called the housing first philosophy for people that are homeless or people that are getting uh, going through drug rehab or have completed drug rehab, yeah. and they find them someplace to live. Does that meet, match up with your understanding? Yes. So street connections found the, these people the place did you ever see Street Connections come around, do a, a wellness check or a follow-up visit or anything like that? No, but um, Bad Neighbors Number 3 that were um, in there recently, um, you know, living there when the fire happened. The arsonists. Yeah, they, um, they were also from Street Connections. And I found out that... Um, the first tenants they put in there for street connections with all the needles and stuff, they were all friends. So they were friends with the people on the second floor, and then they moved out, and then her mom and brother and mom's boyfriend moved in, but they were also from street connections. So this... this she she Okay, so in the first Bad Neighbors where the girl escaped, the naked girl escaped through the bathroom window... You you're not you don't know necessarily how they were uh, gained tenancy. No, no idea. But bad neighbors number two and bad neighbors number three. Your understanding is they both were referrals, placements from street connections. Yeah, and I know for sure number three was because uh, when I went to Ember about the garbage and the noise complaints and everything else about a month ago. They told me, because um, I showed them all the pictures and documentation I had, and they told me they, they were going to have them evicted. And then they told me to call Street Connections and talk to whatever worker was helping them. So I did. I phoned Street Really? And I spoke to a man who put me in touch with a woman that I spoke to, and I told her about everything. And she actually came down that day. And had a talk with them. Do you know who that woman was? I'm not sure. Who was she? Was. Can I just ask? It's going to sound odd, but I might know who it is. Was she a, an older woman? Uh, I never did see her. Oh, okay. Um, but I did talk to her on the phone. I'm just one. Yeah, I'm just wondering if uh, if it's somebody that we that we know from our previous work. That, that so she somebody came down, talked with them directly, but ultimately it did no good. No, it was good for a little bit. Ah. <laughs> and then it started back up again. I want to bring up one other point, and then I'll give you a chance to give a closing message to your city councilors, your city councilor, your city ca- city council, Mayor Gillingham, the Minister of Housing, and everybody else that needs to hear a message from a victim like yourself. CJOB today, and following up on the interview they did with you yesterday on the noon news, I don't think you would have heard it. They did an, they and they probably did an interview in the morning. I'm guessing uh, with the vice president of the uh, property association, pro, the uh, property owner, property management association, a guy that I happen to know that I've known since he was a kid. Full disclosure, Avram Sharak. Avram has been on. He's a popular figure with the media. He's very approachable. And so they just ran clips of what Avram had to say. Uh, And 
he said, well, you know, with our company, we have a resident manager on site and blah, 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 blah. That has nothing to do with the situation like you were in. Because they, you know, he manages, his company manages, uh, they may have some houses, but my understanding is they generally have apartment buildings, as I recall. So that was really unrelated to the kind of situation you have or had. Mm -hmm. The other thing he said, and they they paraphrased him, was uh, Chirac stresses getting tenant insurance because it could come in handy. That's how CGOB put it. You're on disability. They don't give you money for tenant insurance, do they? No. So that remark would be kind of rude. Yeah. So you see that when the media uh, covers this, that sometimes they go off in the wrong direction. They don't necessarily have an understanding of what life is like on the street. And on the streets of the North End, the way you do. Matter of fact, you grew up, I think you said, on Inkster? I did. And I grew up on Lansdowne. So, uh, although there's an age difference between us, we grew up in the same neighborhood. Very much so. Yeah, I went to St. John's High School. Sure. So, again, I, I probably knew, uh, I knew some of your predecessors at St. John's. I might have known some of your teachers. You worked hard your whole life. Um, you... You're you're you love life. You know you you you're no stranger to bands and motorcycles. Oh, I love my motorcycle. I know that last Friday, I think it was that there was a a, a funeral that you attended of, of someone yeah. close to you. Um. Yes. Last Friday. Um. My best best sorry best friend Vern passed away from kidney failure. And I I recognize the picture of Vern. So he, he he must have come around the zoo from time to time. Oh, he was a bar fixture. He worked uh, in several capacities in different bars in Winnipeg. DJ. Um, so for sure I knew him then. Bouncer. Stuff like that. And in the I end. Worked, I worked with him at the Marion. And in the end, no matter how you've tried to be a good, honest person, decent person, and certainly mind your own business. Everything seems to have failed in terms of providing you with the support that you're entitled to as a disabled tenant. Am I, am I being unfair or am I right? You're right. What message do you have for government officials about what you've been through and about how people like you shouldn't be subjected to these kinds of abuses. Um, well, they need to get their act together. Um, you know, they they say and do things that look good to the media or on paper, but when it comes to dealing with the people that are actually going through it, there's nowhere that they can go to help someone you know, to get help to advocate for themselves, whether it be against crappy landlords or landlords that are bullies, or, you know, they just, um, they just want to be safe in their own home. But, but and, what you're, what you've been saying is that, that 
some of the, um, this isn't where there's like just an outburst of a tenant, got drunk one night or, you know, like something that can happen that you and I both are familiar with from being around the bar business. You know, all of a sudden something can flare up. These were, with few exceptions, little small times, small periods of time of peace. But for a year, you had nothing but problem with your neighbors. Yeah. And it was a revolving door of people that caused problems. And two of the placements were from a social service agency. They were. Well, what can be done to protect people that, like you that are disabled and can't really protect or defend yourself when the, the political will at this stage, the policies, are putting people with very problematic, destructive behavior over your head Time after time after time. The system's broken. It's very broken, and they just keep trying to put band-aids on it. You know, the band-aids don't work, and, you know, it's not them that is suffering. They're fine. They're safe. They're warm. Well, you can be sure none of them live on college or... Or, or Magnus, or Flora, or, or, or St. John's Avenue? No. You can be sure none of them do. No, they're happy wherever they are, and they don't know how the rest of us live. And I honestly don't think a lot of them care to. Makes them uncomfortable. We're going to continue... like to be uncomfortable. We're going to continue to be the voice for those that are made uncomfortable for no reason. We're going to continue to advocate for people like you... Uh, and essentially, you know, I think it's fair to say working class folks, people that are on disability, that don't have advocates, anybody to advocate for them, and that end up in a situation where they're at the bottom of the totem pole, underneath the troublemakers, the, the boozers, the drug users. It's completely not fair what's happened to you. And it's um, it's a shame because uh, the neighbors around me they were all good people. The other the neighboring houses. Yeah, they were good people. There was families. You know, the children would play each other. You know, they do play street hockey and tag and whatever else. And you know, it was um, it, until the problems in my house. It was a pretty quiet street. Everybody, you know, said hi to everybody else. And, yeah, and how often have we know. heard? How often have we heard this on this program in terms of our research, where there's a house, there's like a house like this on damn near every block that that creates situations that are not managed properly that make people miserable. And in this case, you could have lost your life. Yes. The scariest thing was is. Um, I take sleeping pills to sleep, and um, they're pretty strong. Yep. And usually I take them about 10 o'clock at night. For whatever reason, I did not take them at 10 o'clock. Oh, wow. I didn't take them till about midnight. So if I would have taken them at 10 and went to bed, I can't guarantee I would have been woken up. Tamara, we're going to continue to follow your personal story. Uh, 
as things change, you let us know. And if we can find, uh, you know, if you end up needing accommodation, uh, we'll, we'll put out the word, see if we know any landlords that might be able to help you out, uh, as well as with other things. I'll try to find that link for the GoFundMe and put it in the episode description. I'll make sure to text it to you as well so that uh, you'll know when you're uh, on the air, so to speak. Um, okay. I'm really struck by this and by what's happened to you. Um, you know, when we were on Kick FM, we brought up the issue of derelict buildings, especially in the North End in 2008. And I read, you know, in the paper like last week, the city's still toughening the, the laws about vacant buildings and derelict buildings. But filled in with this are buildings that aren't derelict, but become derelict because of the way they're mismanaged. Yeah, and, it was a nice house. Everything had recently been refinished. All of new appliances, everything. Like Just terrible. You make sure, make, make sure uh, Tamara, to, to let us know what's going on, and we'll make sure to keep our audience uh, up to date. When I hear, if I hear from Ember Realty, I'll make sure to get their comments on the program uh, and get their side of things. I'm not very impressed with what I've heard. Uh, uh, I'm glad the Red Cross stepped forward to uh, to help you out, but this is indicative of a problem in our city, uh, uh, where there's an imbalance between the rights, what is being viewed of the rights of troublemakers, and the rights of people that are peaceful, as I said, peaceful, law-abiding, and entitled to a safe domicile. Safe home. Yeah. We're going to do what we can to help you out in the future, Tamara. Thanks very much for joining us today. Folks, stay tuned. I'm going to be back. Uh, going to wrap up with exclusive news. We just talked about how these kinds of this kind of disorder, this kind of violence affects innocent people in a residential setting. I'm going to have news about a Winnipeg restaurant where things could have gone very sideways for them this past weekend. I'll have those details right after this break. When we take a stand, it's with you in mind. This enterprise of ActionLine.ca standing up for communities, standing up for businesses, standing up for neighborhoods that are not consulted, that are sloughed off, that are railroaded, that is not what we support here on this program and on this platform. Beholden to no one but you. If you would like to support expert investigative journalism that gets right down to business, check out the donate page at actionline.ca. This episode of the Great Canadian Talk Show podcast is sponsored by Jamrock Security, protecting your family, your business, and your community. Call 204 204- 880-1564 or go to jamrocksecurity.ca your trusted security partner you could hear in my voice how disturbing and even though I knew some of those details from my conversation with Tamara to set up this interview uh, with Tamara Bard I, some of it was news to me and it's just it's disgusting that a person who is you know, crippled in an, in two accidents, and they just want to, like, live their life in peace, take their sleeping pill at 10 p.m. or whatever, try to, you know, try to get a night's rest through their chronic pain and whatever else she goes through. 
and instead has just had her life made miserable. And what did she say? The system is broken. The people responsible for the system, they don't suffer. They're comfortable. I'm here to make them a little bit uncomfortable. And we'll continue to do so. Now, uh, you have to forgive me for not doing the usual entertaining roundup of, you know, a zillion and one crimes that have occurred around the city. Um, but uh, I don't want this episode to end up running forever in a day. We've been able to keep them a little shorter lately, and that is the goal. But I want to tell you about another little something dropped in my lap. I went out for a uh, business lunch today to one of our regular haunts. And I overheard as uh, someone was cashing out their bill. And they noticed something we had noticed. that The front door, the glass of the front door was missing. Replaced by a very sturdy uh, wooden insert. The sturdy wooden uh bar on the interior to push the door open. So something happened to the front door. And I overheard the story. And then when we went to pay our bill, uh, got a few more details filled in. You've heard a lot, and we covered it this past summer, about the what was happening to businesses and restaurants in particular in the East Exchange. Right? Where uh, in particular for the homeless encampments in Point Douglas, which, you know, we led the charge on uh, in terms of letting you know what was happening with people, especially in South Point Douglas. One of our highest rated episodes to this day was about how the the neighborhood was, uh, the na- the, you know, people again in houses trying to live their life besieged by degenerate behavior, by criminal behavior. Well, there's really no part of the city that's immune from this. And over on Pemina Highway, a restaurant that many of you know and love, and you love it for good reason, because everything on the menu is delicious, they had a little problem. The Garwood Grill, 435 Pemina Highway. Saturday night, the owner was inside finishing up The lights were off. The exterior lights were off, right? The neon lights, open signs off. Building is dark. She's inside just finishing up, you know, whatever, doing the, reconciling some paperwork or whatever. And all of a sudden, as she told us, she heard a crash so loud. She thought a car had hit her building. What it was was some, I'll use the term again, degenerate criminal who had shattered the glass on the front door and was trying to break in, she figures, to steal the liquor. So she makes some noise. I don't think she said, come on in, we're waiting for you, which is, you know, some of the places I've worked, that's probably what we would have said. Makes some noise, throws on the lights, the guy realizes, you know, calls the cops, guy realizes, oh, oh, and he hotfoots it out of the, off the property. That's right at the corner of Pemina and Garwood. This is a family-run business for uh, generations. One of the best family-style diners in the city. 
great staff, great food, contributes to it. And, you know, when I think back, um, to make a long story short, I once dated, uh, had a long a relationship with a girl whose sister had been a waitress there, and I recognized the sister because she'd been a waitress at the Garwood. And certainly many cab drivers, <laughs> including me in our day of driving, that was a reliable spot, whether we were on shift or off. She's trying to close up on a Saturday night. It's, you know, 40 below. Some jerk tries to break in. Now, what's the effects of this? We just heard from Tamara about how the effect of the realty company continuing to take in uh, referrals of people who are incapable of controlling their addictive behavior and their social maladjustments. Weird how she's been affected. She's homeless. Case of the Garwood Grill, not as drastic. Could have been terrible if he'd gotten in the building. You can only imagine. He could have wrecked the place and stolen the liquor. She had to call, a, uh, there's a company that she mentioned that she called to do the emergency repair on the door. And she had a phone Fort Rouge Glass to get the estimate on the, uh, to, and they're good guys there, to get the estimate to repair the door. She's not filing an insurance claim because what's the point of that? How much higher can her premiums, can her deductible go? How much higher can her premiums go? So one jerk trying to break into a family restaurant in the south end of Winnipeg, out of pocket, going to cost her, cost her business $2,000 And yet you have politicians and a police chief that has accepted crime, that make excuses for the criminals, that make excuses for the light sentences from the courts and make excuses for governments that institute these sentences where the punishment does not fit the crime. And decent women in society whether it's a tenant on college or a restaurant owner on Pemina Highway, they pay the price. We're here for them. We're here for you. You can send along your comments, your news tips. Support our advocacy, our reporting, our investigations through Interact at that address. You can go to the donate page on actionline.ca contribute through PayPal there or get a hold of me. All our podcast episodes, including every episode involving the Crime Court's public safety update, is on actionline.ca, including interviews with other victims of crime. The 88-year-old magistrate who was punched out waiting for a bus on the August long weekend. Family whose uh, father was murdered. And the accused, who surely did it, died in custody. We talked with people like that the way we talked with Tamara. We are the voice for people who the media does not talk to. Who the media does not pay attention to. Who often politicians don't pay attention to. Some cases they'll come forward, oh, my condolences. Oh, this is a terrible tragedy. But, you know, if it doesn't fit the preferred demographic of who they see or want to recognize as victims, then they're silent. 
They don't show any sympathy. They don't show any empathy. They don't show any support. Around the great Canadian talk show, around actionline.ca, we're building a community that cares, a community that asks hard questions, and a community that supports the victims of crime, the victims of social disorder. And we will continue to be their voice. Coming up uh, very soon, next couple of episodes, very controversial column published locally. I want to take a look at that. We'll have more about Dr. Joss Reimer and some of her public pronouncements, the head of the Winnipeg Regional Health Authority. Uh, there will be another Crime Court's public safety update because I'm going to have to get around all the crime, specific incidents of crime, and some interesting things have gone on in the courts, um, including with one of our favorite lawyers, uh, Robert Tapper. Uh, some interesting court cases transpiring, uh, human rights cases coming forward. I'm going to get to all that in another episode. This one's gone on long enough. I appreciate your support. We're going to be starting another fundraising drive soon. Feel free to get a head start on it. I stand by the work that I did in 2023 with Spirited Kenny uh, through May. Then he left the program. And since then, through the election coverage, we put together a tremendous catalog of stories, of interviews with whether it's politicians, victims of crime, other newsmakers like Andrew Marques, coverage of City Hall, coverage of legislature, coverage of so social trends, coverage of matters that touch on federal jurisdiction. But I think so far, the first six episodes of 2024, I think you'll agree. They match up with any output so far in January of any media outlet funded by Justin Trudeau in this city. I'm going to continue that work on your behalf. I'm going to continue that work to make our community a better place. I'm going to continue that work to hold the government accountable, to hold courts accountable, to certainly compliment institutions, organizations, and individuals when they do good work and to hold them accountable when they don't and when they let us down. We'll continue to be your voice because we're driven here by one principle. You have the power. And thank you for listening. With decades of experience in investigative journalism and an unsatiable passion for Winnipeg, Marty Gold is the voice of the voiceless. Because it's your life and your future and your family's future and the economic well-being of you and your business. We see how the Dr. Joss Reimers of the world, the woke jokesters, don't want to acknowledge what's going on, who's responsible, and who the victims really are. Despite what the media, bureaucrats, and politicians have led you to believe, you have the power. The Great Canadian Talk Show Podcast on ActionLine.ca. Thanks for listening to The Great Canadian Talk Show. If you want to email Marty, send it to tgcts1 at gmail.com. Or follow him on Twitter at tgcts1.